the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within community. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, nutrition, and related. And today, we're going to talk about babies. <laughs> yeah, baby. Maybe that should be the title of the show. Yeah, yeah. baby. Brandon just had a son. Congratulations. I just had a son. I'm a dad. Ooh. Luke. Nice. Yep, so Luke you, Aaron Willie. Did you name him Luke so that you could say, I am your father? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm petitioning my wife to let him do the Luke Skywalker outfit, and I'm going to get a Darth Vader mask. And I, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I want to do that for Halloween. Could yeah. she be like Princess Leia? Yeah, that'd be cool with a little cinnamon bun yeah, hairdo. Yeah, I like yeah. those. <laughs> they always look like cinnamon rolls to me. They do. Yeah. I want some Cinnabon. That's not healthy. <laughs> Probably have a good recipe for that. That is healthy. I do a French toast. I got a sourdough French toast. That's healthy. Yeah, yeah. So today we're super excited for our guests. Returning with us is Alexis Elias Spahn from Empower Pelvic Floor Physical Therapy. Yep, that's me. We had her on a couple months ago and we did a pelvic floor episode. Actually got one of the highest ratings of all our shows. Oh, wow. So, I am honored. Yeah. So we thought it'd be super fun to have you back. All right. You, in addition to being my wife's pelvic floor physical therapist, who also offered fertility massage that helped get us there. Um, I can get you pregnant. That's right. Impregnating people since early 2021. That's right. I think that's when she got pregnant, right? Yeah, I think so. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in addition to doing pelvic floor, you do the other side of things, the doula thing. Yes. And prior to Michelle getting pregnant, I've never even heard of a doula. Tell us what mm-hmm. a doula is. I just thought it was from that line from, remember that Waterboy du- movie? What's wrong with the you, doula? That's a brain thing. That's <laughs> uh, what I yeah, think. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's different. Yeah, so a doula is basically like a labor, birth, postpartum, like a little assistant. Fun fact, a doula comes from the Greek word meaning either servant or like slave. Or like a lot of times people will get doula confused with a midwife or something but doula is really just there to assist the moms assist the dad not really make any type of medical decision or anything like that it's really just a support person it could be the person holding your hand coaching you through birth helping with uh different physical measures to help the labor not be so painful holding the sacrum or the pelvis or any of that kind of stuff but then also just one birth i just silenced the blood pressure alarm because it kept going off just so that the mom could sleep while she had the epidural or like for you just packing up your room because you guys are like going crazy with everything and taking i do try to take pictures too because that's the last thing mom and dad are thinking about i feel like it's a person who just wears like all the hats right there but then also has nose birth knows the physiology of it knows what's going to happen and what to expect and can be almost like a little fly on the wall to help grab a mirror they want to see the baby coming out that's kind of thing yeah so one of the most important things for us was creating the birth plan mm-hmm. so this is something you do hopefully before they go into labor we almost yeah. didn't make it it was a full 12 hours before for you because <laughs> our guy came four weeks early but a week us- before your baby shower right that's uh, yeah, yeah, a couple day days of. before. So he was born the day we were supposed shower. to be doing the shower because <laughs> he wanted to be there in person. Yeah. So I didn't get my cupcakes or my pizza, and I'm mad about it. Oh, we have to yeah. do that then for you. Yeah, we'll have to do a makeup baby shower. But to us, that was really important. And I think mm. one of the benefits to having you as our doula is you were able to walk us through all the decisions mm. and the pros and cons of each, how it would affect mom, how it would affect baby, and how to choose the things that you can choose because you can't choose everything in a hospital. Right, absolutely. Uh, but or you could even help them decide on a home birth strategy as well. So t- can you walk us through some of those birth plan decisions and why some might go one way or the other? 
Yeah. So with the birth plan, I think it's good, obviously, to think it's just an idea of what are your wishes during labor and birth delivery, all those things. What do you want for the baby immediately after it's born? And just to have some of those things thought out beforehand, because they're going to ask you those questions as soon as you go in. That's not when your brain is working. Yeah, your brain's not really working. So (laughs) if you've never heard of the vitamin K shot or the eye goop, and then they're saying, hey, can we give this to the baby? If you don't know, you're probably going to say yes, because you're like, if they're offering those things to me, I should have them. And those are all personal choices that everyone should be able to make on their own. As far as the birth plan itself or like the laboring part, knowing do I want a more natural birth? Do I want an epidural? What positions might I want to push in? A lot of these things I feel nowadays women and their partners have really thought about and I feel like hospitals tend to be a lot more birth friendly now than they used to be where a lot of these things that you're worried about happening during, will they let me do this, that or the other, happen now. But you should still have it planned out to a degree because it's hard in the moment to like make those decisions. Yeah. Let's talk about those first two things, the vitamin K shot and the eye goop. Mm -hmm. What are the pros and cons of the vitamin K shot? The vitamin K shot is just for the clotting, if memory serves me. So there's not really any like adverse effects of that, but... So it would be like if there was like a bleeding problem, like you wouldn't really know until I guess it happened. So it's more of a preventative if that were to happen, but that's pretty rare. And the eye goop is just so like infection. I will say I feel like most people get the vitamin K shot because there's not like really anything that'll negatively affect the baby and with the bleeding thing. So that's, so let's say that was a really quick birth. Like for example, the group strep thing, which we didn't know positive or negative. Let's say it was a really quick birth and- she happened to have that, and then the baby had it in the eye, maybe an infection there. Okay, yeah. It's it, All these things are very, it's happened one time, yeah. <laughs> maybe more than once. And so they were like, okay, it's yeah. not really bad for the baby, like long term. I guess that we know of, I don't know. I'd have to look at the research on it, but it's like one of those preventative things. Like with a hep B, it's yeah. like most of us have had hep B vaccines. It, it, the likelihood of, in this country, hep B is, is pretty slim, but- yeah, unless you know, they travel outside a country, maybe. Yeah, And that's my understanding. If you get a lot of vaccines and stuff all at the same time, it mm-hmm. might be a lot on the immune system. So I know. Yeah, some, I've heard I've heard both sides of that. So some pediatrician officers and parents may choose to kind of, what's the word, kind of a spread out schedule. a delayed yeah. schedule. Yeah. yeah. So that might be something to consider. I think everyone should just go in and be armed with that knowledge because it really is a personal preference. Yeah. Some people don't want to vaccinate at all. And you know, I think it's just important to know your options and to, it to be your decision and try to make as informed and evidence-based decision as you can. Yeah. But you can do you. You do. <laughs> you do you, boo. Are, are there any treatments or things that doctors do as like an assumed yes? Are there things that you have to tell them you don't want? Hep B shot. Um, that was actually on our chart not to do. And the person, came, somebody came and said, all right, time for the hep B shot. I'm like, did you read our chart? She went, nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Because they, they should ask about it. Really, they should ask about anything. I said, isn't that on our chart? She said, oh, yeah, it is. So if you do make some decisions, make sure you follow up with every single person. Remember, yeah. they have a staff shift. And mm-hmm, they are mm-hmm. so busy and, and yeah. it's not their fault. They're just understaffed. Pretty much everyone's understaffed and, everywhere. <laughs> and chances are they probably didn't spend a lot of time right. looking at your chart. So. I was doing another podcast and, and in that they were talking about genetic testing for newborns. And that mm-hmm. is something that you have to opt out of. Oh, the placenta thing or something? No, it's like where they, they get a little bit of blood from their foot and do a blood panel. 
Oh, okay. One of the panels, it's mandated by the state, the four dots. Mm. Yeah, right? I think it's different in every state. Now, now I'm not yeah. sure exactly what, I mean, they pricked his foot so many times, it looked like a pincushion. Yeah, but um, that's because of the John Doe's Yeah, right? so yeah. some things you can't opt out of, and then other things you can make some decisions on. Yeah, I feel like in and out, just ask, it's your kid. Yeah, oh, what are you doing to my child? <laughs> yeah, I would ask why and what they're doing yeah. before everything. They probably don't like me, but I don't care. It's now until they're what eighteen, you'll be speaking up for that. Oh yeah, I'm their advocate. He can't talk. Yeah. All he can go right. like, eh. oh. now. The as far as natural birth versus induced and all those things, let's talk first about pitocin versus no pitocin. Okay. So pitocin is a brand of oxytocin. Is that right? Yeah, it's just a like synthetic, like gonna start labor. Yeah. Uh, or push along labor a little bit more. Yeah. And different dosing is di- so they usually always give Pitocin after birth too to get that uterus to contract back, but it's at a different dosage. Yeah. So it's not super painful. Yeah. I always feel like if you could not have Pitocin, that's better. Yeah. As a Michelle got to experience. Yeah. Uh, but, and then our goal was not to induce. But nothing. We, we had an issue. So we had, yeah. n- we made this beautiful birth plan, but baby yes, said, I don't I care about your plans. Idea, birth idea. And her sack ruptured four weeks early. And once yep. it ruptures, the longer we wait, the in, there's a higher chance of infection. Because um, you don't have that barrier. That fluid is what protects the baby right. from. A lot of the things on our birth plan, we had to throw out the window. But not everything. And so... We had to induce with Pitocin because there was no way she was going to go into natural labor. She was four mm-hmm. weeks early. The mm-hmm. hormones weren't there yet. Yeah. And so she we had, had a little push. Yeah. So then the next decision you can make is whether or not to have an epidural. Tell us a little bit about what an epidural is, how it affects mom and baby, and the pros and cons. Yeah. The epidural is just going to basically numb you from the waist down. Pros is you don't feel the pain. Yeah. That, and sometimes labor lasts a really long time. So let's say, for example, you're in labor for hours and it's been very painful and taxing on your body and you need that rest so that you can get to that push time and actually utilize your energy. Those are great times to have an epidural if you don't want to go through all the pain of childbirth. Also totally fine to have an epidural. Is there know. a point of no return in the labor process where an epidural yeah, is Yeah, no I mean, when you're, I feel like probably once you're around eight or so, it's probably different for all the depending on the provider. That was another thing I ran into in my last birth is when you're nine centimeters and at the hospital, they're going to be like, nope, no time for an epidural. Yeah, that's what happened to my wife with the second baby. Yeah. She wanted an epidural. Especially a second baby because they know, okay, this baby's coming so much quicker anyway. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know how many centimeters she was when they were like? I don't remember that. I remember standing outside because they asked me to step outside when they were given the epidural and it just wasn't going well. And they just, they maybe were maybe her contractions were too close together that they couldn't. I don't remember exactly what happened, in. but I remember she was frustrated. The person administering the epidural was frustrated and we just missed the window is what we were told. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's a while before you can, cause they have to call the anesthesiologist or the nurse anesthetist, whoever's giving it. And by the time they get down there and get you prepped and actually put it in, if you're already so far gone. Yeah. My understanding is sometimes it could prolong the labor period yeah, because yeah. you're not able to feel everything. And it then just it, slows down everything yeah. once you have the epidural. And then some of the cons that I've heard is it can cause low blood pressure. It can make pushing more difficult because of that numbness. Yeah. And um, you can't really feel what you're doing. And then you have an increase of a perennial tear. What's a perennial tear, Lexi? <laughs> 
Well, a tear in your perineum, the spot between the vagina and the anus. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to tear that. Yeah. Now, and then there's grade tears. Grade one is pretty minimal, but then if you have a grade four tear, that's all the way. Okay. All the way through. And then sometimes they'll intentionally do a skilled cut called an episiotomy. Okay. Yeah, and those are pretty, it really depends on the doctor. I still know, <laughs> I still know some docs that, well, just like that's just what they do, yeah. which I think is ridiculous because it's always better to naturally tear <laughs> than to, uh, to be cut. I guess in some cases, if it's, oh my God, this baby, it's got to come out right the second yeah. then, but otherwise. Because well, another concern with the epidural could be respiratory distress for the baby. Mm-hmm, so if that's the mm-hmm. case, I'm wondering if the epidural could increase the chances of having to have an episiotomy because of that distress. Yeah, because I think you probably take all those things into consideration, too, we just said. If you're having trouble pushing, you're having difficulty getting the baby out, more factors than involved. But yeah. I always feel like better to tear not. It's like a, a piece of paper. If I cut a piece of paper and then I put pressure, boom, it's going to rip me even more. But yeah. if it's already taut and then I try to tear the paper, it doesn't tear as easily. Yeah. And that's got, it really needs to always do episiotomies. That's, if anyone wants to ask their moms about their birth, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, of course I had an episiotomy. That's nowadays it's because there's been research done that it's better to just tear naturally. Yeah. Now, one of the other things you helped with that had to do with our birth plan is we wanted a prolonged period before the cord was cut. Yeah. The umbilical cord. And we want it to turn fully white. Can you tell us a little bit about why that could make a difference? That's just really good for the baby because like the all of the blood supply and nutrition for the baby is coming from the placenta. So you, you birth the baby, the placenta is still there. You want to pump all that good blood through the baby so it gets all the good nutrients and stuff. So you wait for it to be white. Now, I will say that's pretty standard nowadays. That's something I usually... Um, don't even have to ask. Well, like the parents say, oh, I want that. And most providers, that's just what they do now. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we made sure because on yours, you were, I remember you asking, wait, we went delayed. And I was like watching. I'm like, don't worry, it's white. It's okay. white before they clamped it. It was good. And then the last birth I did this weekend was the same because she already cut, the father already cut the cord. And then the mom asked after the fact, oh, did we not do that delayed clamp cord clamp thing? I was like, no, they did it. Yeah, We're on yeah it. it's the, good. <laughs> uh, I will say the morning team we had was amazing at um, at Wake Med Gildare the what, the women's uh, Carrie, pavilion. Right. Yeah, yeah, they were fantastic. Now the night team, the midwife was this like awful, angry person <laughs> when it came to anything natural. As soon as we mentioned doula, she just turned into Corella Deville, <laughs> and we were terrified that this monster was going to deliver our baby. Oh. But luckily, that didn't happen. And then the morning the team was, took over. <laughs> yeah, but the morning team was phenomenal, and they were super open to it. So it may depend on the provider. Yeah. I feel like I'm being a nighttime nurse, like the cards are stacked against you for being a nice person. Because all you got to <laughs> yeah, do is just, right? you're constantly waking people up and poking them and frustrating <laughs> them. And yeah. It's got to change your attitude a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know true. you don't like me. Nobody's going to like me. I'm just here to turn on the light, poke you. Yeah. And be Make done. You- <laughs> but man, our morning team was phenomenal. The doctor they were really was, good. Yeah. But probably the most helpful thing of this whole experience and why we're really glad we hired you when she was experiencing labor and back labor you were able to put pressure on her sacrum mm-hmm. there it complete almost completely took the pain away yeah there are some great things you can do during labor to lessen the labor pain so yeah. all before you get to the push period applying counter pressure to the sacrum squeezing to the pelvic joint like the hips on each side that can really help to reduce some of the pain you have associated with a contraction especially if you're having back labor that can be really great 
Um, and then once you get into the push period, just encouraging you to try to change position. That is one thing I kind of want to speak of because it's really, it's hard for mom and then it's hard for partner and it's even hard for doula to really encourage the change of position because what I have found is it doesn't matter how birth friendly and natural birth friendly you think your provider is, they want you in that bed and on your back. Yeah. And even though we know, we all know based on, we can we understand gravity, for one, that we should try to be more upright, that women definitely can give birth on all fours or on their side and all these different things, but it's still, in the hospital, it's still so like they want it a little more controlled and you really yeah. have to push to... Now, it would make sense with an epidural <laughs> when you can't feel exactly. anything. Exactly. Um, so if you have an epidural, you can't be moving around because you're numb from the... You're, you're numb in the leg. But you can still encourage the head of the bed to be raised so you're at least more upright. You yeah. can be on your side, especially like to alleviate some things. Nine times out of 10, if you're birthing in a hospital, you're probably going to be on your back. In that case, despite everything we just said, always let's put the head of the bed up a little bit. Let's, and then with us holding the legs, let's try to, instead of the typical legs up and rotated out, let's try to rotate them in a little bit because that opens up the outlet a little bit more, which they're all like, when you're birthing and because they, they do it all the time the same way they're like legs knees towards you and out and i keep trying to rotate them the other way and yeah. now with the <sighs> breathing pattern they would coach one way but you and michelle discussed alternate breathing pattern yeah during pushing um, yeah. can you tell us the two opposing sides and yeah so there's two both are effective and necessary in some cases but like in the hospital they're always going to be like okay take a deep breath in your contraction comes push with all your might hold your breath there's a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor. It's good because it is very effective. Like with the whole Valsava thing, like you can push really hard, but you could also increase incidence of tearing and just trauma, more trauma to the pelvic floor. Obviously, you're going to have trauma regardless. Now, the in my opinion, the better pushing pattern, but of course, then you're going to labor down a lot more is to blow out as you're pushing. Yeah. So like you have that deep inhale and we know when you inhale, you relax the pelvic floor, which you have to have a relaxed pelvic floor to get that baby out. And then as you're pushing, you're like blowing the air out. Yeah. Sometimes we'll blow raspberries and you can do hold your breath some of the time. I just, I don't like women to hold their breath the whole time. I just think that's yeah. too much pressure. So I've, we've done, gosh, we've probably brought this up on 10 different episodes. Some people teach deadlift and heavy lifting mm -hmm. with Valsalvas, mm -hmm. and I ended up with a hemorrhoid that way. Yes, I think um, we discussed that in the last episode. Yeah, so now we, I always advocate for exhaling on a lift. Yeah, and exhale um, and exertion. And, and that's exertion too, birth. Yeah. Now, if you're a power lifter, that's a whole separate thing. And m none of my clients are power lifting. I don't specialize in yeah. that, and it's yeah. not a passion of mine, but I appreciate the people who do it. Yeah, yeah. But I... Now I have a cape breathing out, especially on deadlifts to avoid hemorrhoids. So I can't imagine the amount of force a mother is pushing during labor. Yeah. So I feel like that's a big enough testament that maybe exhaling is a better option there. Right. And you're uh, pushing like into the pelvic floor muscles. At least when you're deadlifting, like you're just, you're yeah. holding your breath and you're not like also pushing your butt yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, oh, it's tough on the body. Yeah. Hey, Fire Within Nation. Has this ever happened to you? You go online to find a quick recipe for mashed potatoes, but first you have to hear about Grandfather's Farm in 1929. When I was a boy. <laughs> the first time you had a potato, and like six and a half chapters later, you get to the ingredient list. Tasted like dirt. Drives me nuts. So me and Joe have worked to solve that issue for you. If you head to firewithinnf.com and check out the recipe section, 
healthy recipes, following the fire within way. And it's just the recipe, no blog, you're welcome. You'll find recipes like steak chimichurri, there's a bananas foster smoothie recipe, there's a sourdough French toast, lots of healthy things, make your own ranch dip and, and tons more. So head to firewithinnf.com, check out the recipe section and enjoy. I think we've covered a lot of the birth plan, the options you have and things like that. Now what going, putting your pelvic floor therapist hat back on, transitioning from doula to pelvic floor therapist, what kinds of recovery concerns could moms have? What kinds of things should they be doing that they have control of to help speed up recovery? And Yeah, so I always, when you have a baby and you're taking the baby to all these visits and then you get like your one visit postpartum at six weeks or eight weeks of a C-section and usually they're just like, okay, good, you're healed, return to everything. It's, that's six weeks too late to start rehab, but also too early to return to normal activity. Like you're, at six weeks, you're not, you shouldn't be going running. You shouldn't be doing all kind of crazy exercise. So for rule of thumb, like in those first few weeks, I encourage walking, increase walking by about five, five minutes every week or so, and then really connecting back to the pelvic floor. So that's just done with breath, hands on the belly, big deep inhale, relax the pelvic floor, exhale, suck everything back in. And then protection for the pelvic floor, like with pelvic bracing. So whenever you're going to increase pressure, like cough, laugh, sneeze, bend over to lift up the baby, put the baby down, you're sucking the belly and like you're zipping up a tight pair of pants and squeezing, kegeling the pelvic floor so that you're protecting against all that increased pressure since you have all that kind of trauma and looseness down in the pelvic floor now. And also the same for a cesarean birth too, because then you have a cut area down there. Yeah. With that, with both of those, cesarean and vaginal connection back and with a cesarean, hands either on top of the scar or even on the scar, just reconnecting with that part of your body because a lot of women will feel a big disconnect in their abdominal region. Now, is, is some of that due to scar tissue? Yeah. And even then, it's just everything's numb. Yeah. And also with both vaginal and cesarean, like that fear that comes with it. Oh, I don't want to put anything close to here. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to touch it. And so you start to guard your muscles in a, in a way that's not really effective. So you, and you can really get into bad habits with that. So that's why it's just connecting back to the body and the breathing is the best way really you can do that. And then you can start like really light stuff at about four weeks or so, especially like whether or not you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, you tend to get that hunched over posture. So really working on like scap squeezes and chin tucks and cactus stretches. And then about six weeks or so, you start between four and six or so, you can do like some light mat exercises. And then for impact, I usually don't like people to return back to that until about three months postpartum, especially any kind of running or something like that. But there's like really specific guidelines for returning back to um, impact activity. And it's like a whole slew of testing. Can you do A, B, C, D, E, F without pelvic pressure within that region or leaking of urine? So that's something that a pelvic floor physical therapist can assess for to make sure that you're ready ah, Okay. for return to exercise. Thank you for sharing all this information with us and our viewers. We were very grateful to have you as our doula and pelvic floor physical therapist. It was an honor to be there for it. Yeah, it, I call you the MVP. I think of the entire medical <laughs> staff. You probably being there for Michelle emotionally and talking her through everything, yeah. especially when very little went to plan with the early birth. Like I remember when she started dilating, she says, I need Lexi now. <laughs> you know, that's what I really love about the doula work that's so different is it's really a person there for the mom. I love babies, but 
I love the mom so much because it's no, we, we know everyone's caring about the baby and the mom is caring about the baby more than anyone. But someone needs to be there who's really the one for the mom because they're just going through so much right there. So yeah. there's just someone to hold their hand and tell them it's going to be okay. Yeah. And you're their top advocate to make sure their wishes are carried out. Yes. And they're heard. Yeah. Cause that allowed me to focus on supporting Michelle mm-hmm. and you were able to make sure that the birth plan and everything else was falling into place because there's 11 people in the room. It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it's a zoo. So. Give dad reassurance too. Nope. That, that was fine. I, I checked it. I made sure too. And yeah. the pictures you took were amazing. Just <laughs> That's a little added bonus. Because you're not thinking about taking a picture. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to support Michelle and hoping that my fingers make it out. And yeah. Oh, she of, had a good grip. I had to take my ring Ooh. off. It was starting to bruise. But but how can somebody get in contact with you, either for pelvic floor physical therapy or for doula services? Yeah, absolutely. My website is empowerpelvicfloor.com and all my information's on there. And then I can be reached at 919-457-3697. And currently my, my office location is actually in Chapel Hill now by University Place Mall 101 Connor Drive, Suite 201. A little added bonus of my business now is that I'm starting to get in network with insurances. So prior to this, everything was cash pay. So currently in network with Edna and Cigna for pelvic floor physical therapy. Obviously, a doula is all cash pay. But ask your insurance if you're having a baby because I have some people who they will reimburse up to a certain amount for a doula. So certainly ask about that. And now, can you also facilitate with home birth if somebody wanted to do that? Sure, I would be willing to talk about that. I've never taken part in a home birth, but Yeah. yeah. I could. Nothing changes except the equipment around you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. You have a midwife there and probably some other support people. But plenty of people have home births. Cool. Yeah. Well, I encourage people to reach out to you. You won't be sorry. We were not. So Yeah. So. Such a great experience. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, go check us out at firewithinnf.com and sign up for Refuel, a weekly email with recipes, videos, and tips to stoke the fire within. Also, you can join the Fire Within community by being added to our Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on social media.